Welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 61. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, I've been playing Hades, the new roguelike brawler from Supergiant Games. And I've also been checking out Super Mario 35, which is a new Battle Royale-esque game from Nintendo to celebrate Mario's 35th anniversary. I also sat down recently with Lisa Evans from Wabasabi Play, the developer behind Growbot, an awesome new point-and-click adventure game still in development. It's a jam-packed show, let's get to it! Welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm pretty good this week and we're getting very, very close now to next gen. We're a little over a month away from the release of the Xbox Series X and S here in the UK and then only a week later we have the PS5. I can't quite believe it. We've been talking about next gen for such a long time and uh, yeah, we're just about a month away. So super, super exciting times. I decided to try and get hold of a Series X, although I have been struggling to find a pre-order so I may have to wait until next November to get my hands on one. I do have a pre-order for a PS5 and hopefully that is going to be delivered on the 19th of November. I think I'm going to have to wait a little bit to get the Xbox Series X but that FOMO has really really tempted me and I've been really trying to find one but just can't find one yet. So we're on the cusp of loads of great game releases. We've got Cyberpunk 2077 coming out, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Godfall, Destiny 2 Beyond Light, Demon's Souls Remastered, Bug Snacks, and not to forget Nintendo with Hyrule Warriors and the Age of Calamity. Loads of great things to look forward to, and it's a very, very exciting time indeed. And talking about exciting times, if you want to get involved in the show, do check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. I'd love to hear from you, and if you want to support the show and get involved in the community features, you can do so for as little as $3 a month, which is cheaper than a cup of coffee in most coffee shops. You can send in questions and contributions, as well as get early access, and also video and podcast shoutouts too, and everything earned from Patreon gets pumped back into the show to make it better. So if you want to support This Week in Video Games, that would be absolutely awesome, and if not, Well, that is okay too. To be honest, I just really appreciate you listening out there. Alright, that is enough intro waffle from me, and let's get into what I've been playing this week. So this week, I've been playing Hades, a new-ish edition from Supergiant Games, as it's been in early access for some time, but now it's ready for the full 1.0 release, and man, have Supergiant Games absolutely knocked this one out of the park. And I'll get into my thoughts of Hades early on in the show. And recently as well, I had the chance to sit down with Lisa Evans from Wabasabi Play, the developer of Growbot, and this is a new point-and-click adventure game, still in development, but it's going to be available soon. You can wishlist this one now on Steam, and you should definitely do that, because it's a beautiful-looking game about a little robot trying to save her planet. And finally today, I'm going to be checking out Super Mario 35, a new Battle Royale-style game from Nintendo, which is free to pick up if you're a Nintendo Switch Online subscriber. But first of all this week, let's check out my review of Hades. Well, Hades is tons of fun right from the start, and it may be because the game from developer Supergiant Games has been in early access for a while now, or perhaps the influence of Greek mythology and the slick and sexy feel to the game. Hades has fast become a must-play game of 2020, and if you've been on the fence about it, then I thoroughly recommend you get down immediately off that fence and download it on the platform of your choice. 
First of all, Hades is a beautiful game. Before we get into the smooth gameplay with the excellent writing, I'm first struck by the gorgeous veneer on this one. Played from a third person, isometric perspective, you control Zagreus, making his way through Hades and conversing with the ancient Greek gods like Zeus, Aphrodite and Athena. The environments they're detailed, packed with danger and beauty. The puddles shimmer and the jewels dotted around the place shine as you battle across the marble floor with the blood splattered walls. Hades is a roguelike brawler pitting you literally against runs through hell and as you make your way through the series of levels you'll earn power ups that aid your run each time. Ancient gods will pop up out of the blue and all seem to admire and sympathise with you having to spend your time down there in Hades while they're living it up and partying up above. The objective of the game is to get through a run in one piece, but you're gonna have to have your wits and your skills about you because this one isn't easy. One false move and you're toast. Roguelikes, they're often about mastery, and as you make your way through runs, you'll get better with practice and repetition. The game reminds me a lot of Dead Cells, not in the way the game looks, as that is a 2D platformer, but in the way the game feels. It just feels so good to hit, smash and dodge in this game. It makes you want to go again and just do one more run, even if it's 11.45pm. Supergiant Games has honed and crafted a game that just feels good to play and layered on narrative elements that kept me coming back time and time again. As with many great feeling games, the controls are simple to pick up but take time to master. There's an attack, a dash, a special and a cast move in your toolbox and together with these fairly simple controls, you have a range of weapons that unlock over time. Zagreus starts out with a deceptively simple sword and over time as you collect keys, you can unlock a spear, a shield and a bow and arrow. And at first, I thought, how can a shield compare with a spear? But then you try the shield and man, you fall in love with it. The sword is fairly straightforward and you can run in there and whack things and then run away. Bow and arrow does exactly what you think it does, gives you a good amount of range and also on the special move front, a rapid fire multi arrow move, which is gonna help you out if you get surrounded. The spear has good range but can also be thrown and it comes back on command similar to a boomerang. And the shield is a kind of hybrid melee and range weapon which just has to be experienced. Believe me, unlock the shield as fast as you can, it's amazing. There's a range of enemies in the game too to use your arsenal of weapons on. There's ghouls that teleport in and shoot at you from range and huge melee enemies that slide towards you with little notice. The enemies attack from a variety of directions and means, so you have to keep an eye on every angle, otherwise there's going to be trouble. There's snakes, there's witches, there's all kind of nasties ready to kill you in an instant. Hades is a procedurally generated game, so it's infinitely different each time you play. Hell itself is reconfigured each time you try and escape, meaning there's no particular route to learn or how to get out of hell, but it's more about learning the attack patterns of the enemies and learning how to use the skills you pick up along the way. As each run goes by, you get stronger and stronger, and as you get further through the levels, it gets more difficult. One false move and you'll lose it all. It's not so bad losing everything though, as you'll go back to the lavish house of Hades. Hades, your constantly disappointed father, has got the hump and it seems like he's locked to his desk doing paperwork. Nyx and Dusa, the severed head of the famed Medusa, are hanging out there too. And the more runs you do, the more of the area opens up and narrative moments happen, keeping you engaged and helping soften the blow of that last failed run. In the House of Hades, you'll get crucial story material, but you also get to purchase items and upgrades, not only for you, but for the house itself, helping you out in future runs. There's also a practice room where you can test out the weapons and unlock new ones with Skelly, your fragile training partner, always willing to take a beating for the team. 
So once you've kitted yourself out in the House of Hades, it's then time for another run, which is going to be much different from the last. Sometimes you have an amazing run with a spear, and then a very quick beating which will turn you onto another weapon. It's well worth trying out the weapons, and you'll have good and bad runs with them all. There's a few random factors in each run, for example the gods and the prizes you select once you've cleared out a room. When you first start a run, a random god will welcome you and upgrade your abilities. Now maybe you're going to get the power of Zeus and additional lightning strikes on special attacks, or perhaps Poseidon will grant you his powers. Each run is different and the combinations will be different too, making you more and more powerful as your runs go on. The other random factor are the items that you choose at the end of rooms, and once you finish a room you'll have a choice, do you go left or do you go right, and which prize do you want. These items, combined with the power of the gods, makes Hades infinitely replayable and very, very fun. Combined with the way the game feels, Supergiant Games have hit upon something really, really special. So putting all that aside, then there is the narrative. As you make your way through levels, new narrative arcs open up. Now I've heard of players going through hundreds of runs and not seeing the same story twice, which seems incredible and the sheer amount of narrative in this game is staggering. It's all voice acted too, with charm, wit and humour. As well as the well acted voice lines and the thousands of lines of dialogue, there's an underlying sexiness to the game too through the artwork, the interactions and the feel. It's a polished package that drips and oozes quality, and one that you simply have to give a go. Supergiant Games has a reputation of excellence from Bastion, Transistor and Pyre, and Hades seems to have taken that polish and quality to a new level. Perhaps it's the mixture of Greek mythology and the many months of early access, I don't know, but I remember sitting in a classroom and being fascinated by ancient Greece as a child, studying the myths and the stories of Minotaurs and the River Styx. Later on in life I made my way to the Greek islands many times and I've been up close and personal with the ancient ruins and this game reminds me of those experiences. Hades is a polished package that has a great feel, fast action, wonderful dialogue and story. And it's also available on Nintendo Switch, so if you happen to be on a train then you can play it at your own convenience. Hades will no doubt be in the conversation when it comes to Game of the Year 2020. Whether it has the lasting power to beat games like The Last of Us Part 2, Fall Guys or The Ghost of Tsushima, well that is a conversation for another time, but Hades is a fantastic game that can be either played for hours or picked up and put down within a matter of about 30 minutes. Well that's it for my review of Hades, but next up I sat down with Lisa Evans to talk about her new game Growbot, well let's go over to that interview now. Okay, so welcome back to This Week in Video Games, and I'm here with Lisa Evans from Wabasabi Play. So welcome, Lisa. How's it going? Hi. It's good, thank you. And uh, so Gamescom kicks off today. Uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, good. It's um, I was there in person last year, so it's it's surreal. Um, I'm still trying to sort of under- get to grips with the booths and um, looking forward to exploring them more as well. Yeah. So how how has the sort of COVID situation affected like events and uh, um, I, I guess like um, you're kind of on the promotion kind of trail at the moment for Growbot. So how how has it affected you? Yeah, it's it's, it's a weird one because I think um, like I, I look forward to sort of meeting people in person. It's one of those like a really nice, um, you know, sort of because you're working sort of on your own a lot and then sort of being able to meet people. But then it's it's good it's it's great as well because of being digital everything's 
you know, it's still easy to, to carry on and promote the game. Um, and it's really nice to see the different things like Gamescom with the booths and just the different, um, like, approaches to try and make to make the experience, just people adapting and stuff. It's been cool. Awesome. And uh, so we're here today to talk about Growbot, your fantastic new... Uh, it's, it's so beautiful. I'm not sure I've seen a more beautiful game. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I was wondering um, if you could, yeah, if, for those who don't know about Crowbot, could you let us know a little bit about the game? Yeah, it's um, so it's a 2D point and click adventure about a robot saving her home from a dark crystalline force. And it's set in a space station, um, but it's a bit of a sort of weird interpretation of a space station. Um, and there's a lot of plants and you play as a, a little robot called Nara. Um, it's her first day on board the station and she's training to become a captain. And so she doesn't really know her way around um, and the station has been attacked and she's been cut off from her crewmates and her captain. And so she's just trying to make sense of everything and, and find the others. Sounds like the worst day ever or the worst yeah. first day ever for poor little Nara. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the world that Nara lives in. Obviously, you mentioned there's it, it's a kind of space station, but there's loads of plants and um, how how they sort of work into the kind of game mechanics. Yeah, it's a bit of a uh, sort of mashup of ideas. Um, and so it's the robots are mascots from an asteroid mining company. And so I don't, I don't know if you ever watched Super Ted as a kid. but Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a very surreal opening to Super Ted where he's kind of like a toy that gets brought to life so it's a bit it's a similar um, by Spotty so strange alien thing um, and it's a, a similar thing where the, these mascots they kind of get abandoned on an asteroid um, called Q and then discovered by the geologists and they essentially animate them bring them to life with um, these grow blooms which are like bioengineered flowers um, yeah, so it's, it's um, yeah, I think does that makes sense a bit. So other, other than kind of Super Ted, what was your kind of uh, inspiration for the game? Oh, um, I think it's different. It's always different things, I think, but I really wanted to make a game. My background's illustration, and I'd sort of tried a few different um, sort of like plugins and middleware, like... Um, I think it was at Game Maker I tried first, and then um, I saw like played Amanita's games. I found them really, it was like really nice, like pacing, um, and the art was really like picture book. And, and then, so then, yeah, and I found Adventure Creator, which is a plugin um, for Unity, and I started messing around with that. And then basically, that robot kind of formed, I kind of came out of another idea, which was um, the reason they had these big glass dome heads was. Um, I wanted to make a game about like altered states of consciousness where you put different things in the head and then that affects the sort of reality. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's where it came from. <laughs> and you, met, you mentioned there the kind of domes on, on the heads and um, so I've, I've played through the demo. It's a fantastic demo. And I def, definitely recommend oh, awesome. everyone go out there and uh, give it a try now. It's available on Steam, is that right? Yeah, the demo's up on Steam. Um, it's quite short the moment so it's always quite tricky with um, narrative games because you don't want to give too much away of the story so you're trying to cut it at a point which can make sense in on to itself 
Um, no, I think I think you cut it off at the perfect moment. I definitely want to kind of find out more. And the um, but you, you mentioned the kind of domes on their heads, and quite quite early on in the game, you meet a small creature who kind of jump jumps sort of inside the dome. Could you tell us a little bit about? Uh, I think it's the brainer pillar. Is that right? Yeah, it's um, yeah. So um, brainer pillar is a guide uh, for Ricky robots, just so that you can kind of explore the station and uh, yeah, and uh, brainer pillar gives you information and you can drag and drop. Um, brain and pillow onto characters or items in the world and it will yeah sort of uh progress the story like sort of backstory as well as just um yeah give you tips and things um but she's not with you the whole journey because you start to grow your own grow bloom mm. um so as that that will <clears throat> happen as you go through the game and um, you mentioned there a little bit about kind of dragging and dropping items. Could you tell us a bit about the kind of game mechanics and the type of interactions or puzzles that you'll that you'll kind of meet in the game? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So it's um, it's mostly I really like things like just when you're exploring your environment. I wanted the machines to make sense within the environment, and I didn't really want anything that just felt sort of slapped on as a for the sake of um puzzle um so it's most of the the puzzle they're not super hard it's just trying to work out how things work um just to progress and unlock doors and there's um something called the flower ranger which is you can collect the sounds of flowers into this device which you then arrange is a little bit like flower arranging which is a bit passive aggressive but um (laughs) like you arrange them into a different orders to create shields and to like unlock unlock things or and you have different types of shields and so you're collecting them throughout the game and and yeah and sort of making these different types of shields so that's quite a big uh, mechanic in the game and then just sort of inventory puzzles no, it's really good. And it's um, you, you talk about meeting characters there's, there's quite a sad moment at the, the beginning when um, Nara um, goes outside for the first time and meets the captain, but the poor captain is kind of sitting there, um, kind of unable to un- unable to get up. And uh, so th- there's quite a lot of emotion in in the short demo that um, that I've played. Is does that emotion uh, run through um, kind of the theme of the game? I think um, that moment in particular is quite uh, heavy. I think so. There's, it's not all like that you sort of find the captain and um it is emotional but it's not not in an more in a kind of wistful mm. way um and so you know you are meeting the characters as you go through like there's a coral reef and she's lost her colors so she's pretty mopey and you're trying to um yeah you, so it's that, that kind of like sort of more melancholic i guess um rather than sort of dramatic and the uh, you mentioned that um your kind of background is in illustration so i i assume you did quite a lot of illustration for the game yourself yeah yeah that's that's it was sort of the thing that made it made me keep going with it i think because i could create some art and then get that up in unity and that was just a hook to go oh i can keep you know it gives you motivation to keep going and keep learning um so that's that's been really nice, and then 
the sort of animation the style is not particularly heavy i can do it all in between photoshop and unity um so, so it all makes it quite manageable and then the plugins great as well just for um yeah sort of having that visual feedback really helps and um you've got a lot of nature in the in the game um that the the, the the world is kind of overflowing with flowers and fauna. Um, and I know you're from, or you're, you're, you're working down sort of in Brighton at the moment. I wondered if you take any inspiration from the environment kind of around you. I know the, the South Downs is a, is a lovely place. Um, I do, yeah, I'm very fond of, I think I've always had that with space. Like I, it's just like a sort of instinct to want to, you know, put plants in it because it's not it's not very <laughs> green but uh, um. whenever i need a little bit of a break because i'm i'm from down near that area as well i go over to uh, friston forest and kind of take a walk in the forest and uh, i did you know because of the situation that we're in at the moment kind of stuck inside quite a lot i know we're starting to get out a little bit more um but yeah, i like to sort of take a little bit of a break and spend the afternoon kind of walking in the forests and getting back to nature and things like that Sounds amazing. I've not heard of that. Is it Friston? Oh yeah. Oh, you should check it out. Yeah. If you if you go along the coast, um, on it's on your way to Eastbourne, and uh, yeah, there's beautiful forests and um, uh, Cookmere Haven. That's uh, that's my my tip for you on on this Friday. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> what kind of forest is it? Like um, because I have that. People always say, oh, go to the New Forest, but then the New yeah. Forest seems. There's not a lot of trees. <laughs> I yeah, just, I couldn't. I couldn't there, and I just there's a lot of ponies and there's a lot of fields. But yeah, it's it's really nice. Uh, very easy to get lost. <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> I think m maybe there's a nostalgia thing for me as well because I, I spent a lot of my childhood with my friends, kind of running around in the forest, climbing trees and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so you're you're part of the um, indie booth arena um this weekend at, at gamescom so how's that all going so far it's good yeah it's great because um i sort of joined uh the publisher ash around christmas and it's been really nice meeting the other devs um who are also part of ash and just kind of um yeah just things like putting together our booths just because we had to make these um sort of interactive spaces to showcase the game and it's yeah it's just quite cool sort of seeing being able to chat with them and seeing we're just all on the same journey so it's yeah that's that's nice i haven't sort of um like i said had a chance to explore too much yet but it looks like a lot of fun have you have have you had a look around i haven't had a chance just yet uh, no I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend um, I'm trying to speak to as many people as possible and um, kind of talk about their games. But yeah, no, really looking forward to it and seeing how things have transformed in the kind of digital kind of age. Uh, I was at um, EGX Res uh, 2019 and um, I thought, were you there as well? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I've got such a blurry memory. I think, yeah. I think I was. That was, um, yeah, not... Uh, in London, was that mm. the, yeah, London West. I think I was. Um, it was it was like East London kind of dockyards yeah. kind of place. Yes, it's, um, I was just thinking because you said about one of the things. So 
like last night I was in the booth online and like yeah. if you're at an actual event you know people come over to the booth and you just immediately you just you're chatting where it was quite strange to be in this this virtual space but not sure you know you're watching someone else's like avatar. <laughs> do I do I go and what what do I do do I go up and you know and it's weird if you watch like because it just yeah it's strange to see this sort of external eye like externalized experience of you know you know it's like that thing and you go into a shop and someone comes over and you're always like what's the etiquette of do you just yeah. you know so i haven't yeah i'm not sure <laughs> yeah and it's, it's weird it, you it's, can choose the different heads as well so it's, it's oh it's fun seeing um some people with um nara and brain a pillar the different cool. different colors and stuff it's yeah the 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 etiquette of the kind of zoom age is uh, is very 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 interesting and evolving all the time <laughs> for all those players out there um who are interested in growbot um how can they kind of get hold of the game and uh, give it a try for themselves yes i think like uh, on steam the demo that's probably the um, and we post most stuff there like uh, new stuff and then um, I'm not sure if we'll be putting out a new demo anytime soon. It's just the, just racing really to try and get the game done. Mm. And, but yeah, but we'll be putting more blog posts hopefully and updates. Um, and yeah, just on any of the social media sites on Twitter and um, Instagram. Yeah, so how can people kind of uh, connect to you? Um, do you want to shout out your uh, social media? Yeah, so it's uh, just a robot game, just one word. Um, and it's that's that's on pretty much every site, I think. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Awesome. All social media covered. That's, and, and, you've, and you've got consistent branding as well, so that's always good. That's good. <laughs> um, I wanted to shift a little bit away from Growbot and talk a little bit about yourself. And I was wondering um, if you could tell us a little bit more about Wabasabi Play and uh, how you got started. Yeah, so, um, so I was working on Growbot just in my own time alongside my illustration. And I have you heard of the UK Games Fund? Mm. Yeah, so that's they had the prototype funding. Um, and I was um, I was yeah really lucky to get on get on um, part of that. And then so then yeah I set up my company at that point. And so Webby Sabi Play is like a old Japanese aesthetic. Mm. Which I really love Japan. I've been a few times and just just really love the just a really beautiful place and so that that's where the name came came from and then yeah that's kind of that was great that sort of set the whole thing in motion and how did you kind of get into game development in the first place what what sort of drew you to the to the industry and how did you kind of get started i think it was um because i wasn't a huge game player and then my friend showed me Amanita's games and I think it was basically it's always my urge is to make things rather than play things I always just want to make stuff and then just I think I take a lot of the same I think it's almost the same enjoyment you know the enjoyment you get from playing is the same enjoyment you get from making and I think I just really wanted to do my own I was kind of getting a bit frustrated doing illustration because you can kind of I just I think I lacked the ability to sort of see how else I could 
where else I could go with it. And games seemed like, you know, you can bring your characters to life, you can animate them, you can talk to them, you can, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to connect with people as well. Um, so I think that, and just, I think it's just the tools. As soon as I found like Adventure Creator, that was, yeah, just made it like possible basically for someone sort of with my background mm. to make a game. And so what was the most sort of challenging part? Because it, it sounds like you've got a, a rich history with uh, illustration and artwork. Uh, how was it sort of transitioning and doing some of the kind of deme- uh, the or some of the development aspects as, as well? I think it's so much as like a kind of an attitude of once you sort of are okay to break things and see that it's not. At first I was so scared of losing my way or, or doing the wrong thing. And then, but once you've kind of, I started to experiment more and more and having that visual interface to, because you're still sort of doing the same logic as coding, but it's in this weird, you know, the visual way, which is you're getting so much visual feedback. It, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a real struggle at first. Like it took a long time to get anything moving because you'd always have to go and google to find out okay how like ev- there was every step you'd have to sort of stop and uh re- and learn how to do it but then once you've kind of got that basics you can just repeat it and that be- and then it becomes really fulfilling and um if if someone sort of came up to you and said i'm i'm really interested you know, I've, I've i've got a good portfolio of artwork but I, I really want to get into sort of creating video games what what advice would you would you give them um, definitely try and get uh, like uh, something like um, Adventure Creator. I think it's often on sale and stuff. And then, yeah, just it's always. I think it's good to approach new things from your own angle. Like if you whatever your, because that's the thing that's going to kind of get you over that initial, those initial hurdles that will, you know, let you keep doing it. Because I think sometimes if you try to come at it from an angle that you can't relate to or you don't you know, it doesn't feel that meaningful to you, then it's going to be harder to to, to stick at it. Um, at least that's that's what I found. I think, yeah, just try one of those plugins. Mm. And don't put too much sort of pressure on yourself. Just have fun with it. And um, with all the kind of uh, creating games, do, do you get uh, any time to play games in your spare time? Um little bit but I think I I just I kind of like I'm always just prefer to make things or do which is it's mm. a yeah it's um I want to do more of that because that will improve um, my ability to make games it's but yeah it's it's tricky there's never enough time and uh what do you, other than sort of making games do you make anything else um <laughs> Well, I have uh, a sorry, I have a four-year-old, and so he do a lot of uh, <laughs> like a lot of um, making stuff. Actually, we mostly make a lot of um, play-doh with googly eyes. Just a big yeah. bag of googly eyes. It's actually amazing, kind of all the kind of weird creatures you can make. So we've been doing that, and then having Pokemon battles. That's quite fun. Um, yeah, not really. I'm quite boring. <laughs> Well, it's. I, I imagine with a four-year-old, that uh, that that 
that's uh, that I imagine that takes up a lot of your time. So <laughs> and also getting, you know, coming towards the end of the project now. So when when can we expect kind of um Growbot uh, to release? What's your sort of target? Um early 2021. So it's um yeah. That's when it's planned. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Well, I imagine it's, it, it's a super busy time, and yeah, good luck for the rest of the development. I, I'm I'm so impressed with Growbot and uh, what I've seen. Like, the artwork is fantastic. The the characters that they're, they're really really charming, and also the audio design as well. I was really impressed. I, I love the kind of murmurings of the of the robots themselves. Oh, actually, yeah, I should say that's um, Jessica. Her name's uh, Jessica Fischer. She's done like an amazing job. She does all of the music. Um, she has like a crazy like the process because she does all this like layering to try and make sure that you never sort of hear the music looping. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah, it's been it's been really cool working with her. Yeah, I think together the the, the artwork and the audio really bring the kind of world to life. And yeah, I. I thought it was a fantastic demo. Once again, for everyone um, out there listening, um, go and check out Growbot. Uh, the demo is available on Steam, and uh, you can download it and and try it now. Well, um, Lisa, I've taken up loads of your time today. I'm sure it's going to be a really, really busy Gamescom. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on This Week in Video Games. And like I said before, I really wish you all the best of luck for the rest of the development. Thank you so much, and yeah, thank you for having me. Well, that was me there, talking to Lisa Evans from Wabasabi Play. A big thanks to Lisa, and thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us on This Week in Video Games. And Growbot is absolutely beautiful. You can see the handcrafted nature of the game, and the illustration really shines through. It's a classic point-and-click adventure game with puzzles and weird and wonderful environments to explore. And if you want to check out the game, you can go to the This Week in Video Games YouTube channel, and I put the game as a background to the interview with Lisa. So check out that interview, and you can check out what what Growbot is all about. And if you like point and click adventure games, I would definitely keep an eye on this one and go and add this one to your wish list on Steam. And I've put the link down below in the description and the show notes of the podcast. So please go down there and wish list this fantastic game. And I got to play an early demo of Growbot at Gamescom 2020, and this one is scheduled for release in spring 2021. Well, that's it for my interview with Lisa and my first impressions of Growbot. Next up, let's go over to my review of Super Mario 35. The latest incarnation of Super Mario Bros. has been released on Nintendo Switch, and this one pits you against 34 other players in a Tetris 99 style battle to be the last Mario standing. Released as part of Super Mario's 35th anniversary, Super Mario 35 is available for Nintendo Switch Online subscribers, so if you're a fan of our little Italian platforming plumber, now is a great time to jump in. Super Mario 35 is a nice little twist on the regular Super Mario formula. The experience is pretty much the same as the original, however, rather than just concentrating on your screen and not dying there, you have to worry about incoming enemies from other players that you've been matched against. This is classic Super Mario Bros. from the NES era, but with an extra layer of danger, with random enemies coming your way. To get your hands on Super Mario 35, you just have to be a subscriber of Nintendo Switch Online, which is well worth it when you consider the library of NES and SNES games, as well as these exclusives. 
Super Mario 35 is really similar to Tetris 99, and if you haven't played that, then you should definitely pick that one up from Nintendo Switch Online. In that, your focus on the main game is the middle of the screen, but surrounding you are screens of other players in the game. The objective is to get as far as possible without dying, or without the timer running out. You've got to be the last Mario standing, and you win the game. So this is how the game works. You've got 35 players start off in the Super Mario Bros. stage, and all have 35 seconds on the timer. When you defeat a Goomba or other enemies, you get some more time added to the clock, and you're also going to send an enemy over to the opponent's screen. And you can see the enemies that have been sent your way as they appear similar to ghosts, or slightly faded out. And you want to keep your eye on the timer as that caught me out more than once when I thought everything was going just fine, I randomly died because I simply had no time left. One way of staying alive I found was to get the fire flower as soon as possible, as this meant speeding through levels became much easier and it helps with dealing with a random bunch of enemies at range. You can collect coins in the game, and when you get 20 you get a random item, you get like a super mushroom, a fire flower, a star or power block. Super Mario 35 is a great reminder of how much fun the original Super Mario Bros. can be, and we've had a few iterations in recent years with Super Mario Maker 2 and Super Mario All-Stars also on Nintendo Switch Online through the SNES library. Super Mario 35 takes the concept of Tetris 99 and transposes it well to this platforming game. I think the idea is neat, but I don't know whether it's quite as successful as Tetris 99. It's an interesting take, but there are a few drawbacks as well as the successes. So in the first few hours of gameplay it can feel a little bit repetitive and difficult to make progress and you might feel like you're doing the same levels over and over again before you unlock new levels. The familiar warp system seemed to take me around in circles rather than help me skip forward like I'm used to, however this frustration is short lived as you make your way to the latter stages you can send more interesting enemies over to your opponents like the famed Hammer Brothers, Spinies and Bowser himself. There's a real satisfaction in sending over a stream of enemies if you hit a well timed shell into a string of Goombas. One strange thing about the game is time limited in nature. Due to the game going away on the 31st of March 2021, which seems slightly odd, but this is also true of Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Not too sure what Nintendo was thinking about with this one, Super Mario 35 is really good fun, but it could do with a little bit of iteration over time. A few tweaks here and there and it could be an absolutely fantastic game, and it feels like a bit of a shame that it's going away. Super Mario 35 definitely breathed new life into a decades old game, and Super Mario Bros. has always been fun, but if you've never played the game then first of all, where have you been, and then second of all, if you've got Nintendo Switch Online you should get hold of this immediately. It's a great addition to the celebrations for Mario's 35th birthday, and given it's going away in only a few months time, I would give this one a try before it does. And maybe, if we give enough feedback to Nintendo, it won't go away at all. So this one was developed by Nintendo and is available for free download for Nintendo Switch Online customers, although do be aware that you have to pay a monthly subscription for that. And it was originally released on the 1st of October 2020 and unfortunately is going away on the 31st of March 2021. Well that is it for my review of Super Mario 35. Next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. So at number 10 this week we got the Mafia Trilogy and that is down 4 places from last week's number 6. Number 9 this week we've got Mafia the Definitive Edition and that's down 6 places from last week's number 3. At number 8 this week it's Minecraft at 1 place from last week's number 9. And at number 7 this week it's Minecraft Dungeons holding steady at last week's number 7. At number 6 this week it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe down 1 place from last week's number 5. And number 5 this week it's Marvel's Avengers down 3 places from last week's number 2. 
Number four this week, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons, holding steady at last week's number four. And number three this week, it's Super Mario 3D All-Stars, down two places from last week's number one. And number two this week, it's a new entry with Star Wars Squadrons. And number one this week, another new entry, it's Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time from Activision Blizzard. So congrats to the Crash team for this week's number one. Well, next up, let's have a look at what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. So first up, on the 13th of October, we've got G.I. Joe Operation Blackout that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've also got Red Wings Aces of the Sky that's coming out on Xbox One and we've got Second Extinction that's coming out on PC. And finally, on the 13th, we've got Torchlight 3 that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One and PC. Next up, we've got a few games coming out on the 15th. So first of all, we've got Cloudpunk. That one's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. And then we've got Monster Truck Championship. That's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. We've got Raji, an ancient epic. That's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And then we've got Space Crew coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Finally, on the 15th, we've got Tears of Avia coming out on Xbox One and PC. Then on the 16th we've got Mario Kart Live, Home Circuit coming out on Nintendo Switch and we've got NHL 21 coming out on PS4 and Xbox One. Then on the 20th we've got Amnesia Rebirth coming out on PS4 and PC and also on the 20th we've got Remothered Broken Porcelain coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Finally on the 20th we've got The Guys, that one is coming out on PC. On the 21st of October, we've got Scourgebringer coming out on Xbox One, Switch and PC. And then on the 22nd, we've got Disc Room. That one is coming out on Switch and PC. Also on the 22nd, we've got Pokemon Sword and Shield, The Crown Tundra. That one's coming out on Nintendo Switch. And then finally, on the 23rd, we've got Transformers Battlegrounds. That one's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Well, that is it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, do contact me through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, or your video game stories. I'm definitely always interested in hearing from you. And I'm always available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. So search this week in video games on your favorite platform and join in that conversation. Well, thank you so much for listening, and for more This Week in Video Games content like this, subscribe on YouTube and share with a friend. To join our community, check out the Discord link in the description, and you can follow me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Well, thanks again, and I'll see you in the next one.